Welcome back to more Money Minutes for Doctors. Today, we'll be talking about questions doctors should ask their financial advisors. Catherine Vesna is here. You know, you may be like a lot of doctors, and so many of them don't even know where to start when it comes to seeking help with their finances. And of course, many times doctors go to their colleagues for recommendations. But you know what? Your situation could be entirely different from your colleagues. So how can you trust the recommendation or how can you trust the advisor? And today we're going to be talking about questions you should be asking your financial advisor before you engage them. Now, if you have other questions you want to ask us, or if there's something you'd like us to cover in a future video, please reach out to us because we'll do the videos and the podcasts. And you can do that by reaching out to us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. Also, I would consider it a special personal favor if you would like, subscribe, and follow us on social media, because what that does is it raises up in the rankings, and that means more doctors will get this information that I think can make their future a lot more bright, at least financially. All right, so let's get started. So let's say you've found the name of an advisor, somebody you want to check out, you've set up a first meeting. Here's some thoughts you can do and some questions you can ask on how to determine if this is the right financial advisor for you. So here's a list of nine questions you can ask in your first meeting. Number one, do they have a fiduciary duty towards you? Now, let me give you a little bit of a background because this is going to be, we're going to be talking about that throughout today. One of the dirty secrets in our industry is that financial service are a lot like manufacturers. So if you think of really big name companies, you see their names on ads, you see them on billboards, you see them on the TV. Frankly, they are really manufacturers. They are manufacturing financial services products, and then they need salespeople to actually sell these products. This is very similar to the auto industry. Every Chevy, every Ford, they're, they're manufactured in Detroit, and then they have dealerships throughout the country and salespeople in those dealerships to be able to sell the Fords, the Chevys, or whatever brand is your specialty. Now, how does this come into play in the background on whether or not you're a fiduciary? Keep in mind that a fiduciary is a very special advisor. It's a lot like being an attorney or a trustee. If you have a fiduciary duty, you must do what's in your client's best interest at all times. You cannot make recommendations that are only in your interest. Now, this is crucial because it can be really hard to tell on the surface if your advisor has a fiduciary duty or not. I mentioned the manufacturing because very frequently if the, your advisor is working with a company that manufactures financial products, they are not going to have a fiduciary duty or they're not going to have it in all interactions with you. Now, to make it even more complicated, I have actually seen some advisors lie and tell their clients they have a fiduciary duty when they do not. Yes, I know, it's really ugly. So if they're a fiduciary, they have to recommend what's in their, I'm sorry, not what's in the advisor's best interest, but what's in the client's best interest. Now, what if they're not a fiduciary, if they're just a salesman, as if they were a Chevy salesman, then they must recommend a product that's suitable. Now, that's a big difference between a suitable product and a fiduciary duty. The standard of care for fiduciary duty is much, much, much higher. 
And in fact, in the industry, most of those big product manufacturers did not want their advisors to have a fiduciary duty because they knew it was going to be more liability for them down the road. They much preferred a lower standard of care, that of which is just suitable. Now, this is a very big issue to me for because if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that ethics is my background, it's my life, it's my passion. So it's, I think being a fiduciary is the best way to do business because when you're doing what's in your client's best interest, they're going to be the happiest, obviously. And you keep your clients happy, you keep your clients. So that's my whole business model. Now, how to find out if they are affiliated with a company? Are they a salesperson or do they have this fiduciary duty? So next question you want to ask is, are they affiliated with any company that creates financial products? Now, this could be an insurance company. It might be an investment company. It could be an investment banker. And um, I don't want to name names here on the, on the podcast and on my video blogs. Uh, but if you've got questions about the companies that you're working with, reach out to me and we can talk about that. So let me give you an example. I'm thinking of an insurance company. I'm going to call them a really big because they are a really big insurance company. They created a disability insurance product that frankly is quite substandard. It's substandard in a lot of ways. And they labeled it, this is a product just for doctors. Well, guess what? Doctors don't know. They think it's a product for them. They think it's going to be fantastic. And in fact, it was an overly expensive and a substandard product, but they knew they could sell it to doctors who didn't know what was really going on. So you have to be very, very careful with these kind of products. That's why if we're making, uh, making a recommendation on a particular product, A, we've done a lot of due diligence in the background, and B, we lay out numerous different options so the client can always choose what's in their best interest. Now, how did this become such a big deal for me? Many years ago, yes, back in the dark ages, I was legal counsel to one of the largest mutual fund companies, board of directors in the country. It was in the top 10. They're huge. And they had what in the industry we call a captive sales force. This particular, their advisors could only sell products that they recommended. Today, the same company is still around, they're still in business. They can sell a few products outside, but by and large, they want to sell their own company's products because it's more profitable for them. So I was a young attorney and I go into my boss, who's the general counsel. I go, I've got this fantastic idea. I think we should take our mutual funds and take them out to all the other broker dealers in the world. We could be having Merrill Lynch. We could be having this company. We could be having that company. They could all be selling our mutual funds. And he looks at me with this very sad, tired expression as if I was the most stupid attorney in the block. And he says, you know, that's never going to work. And the reason they're not going to work is because our mutual funds are substandard they have very high internal fees, they're extremely expensive, and their returns are quite low. No one else is going to buy them outside of our reps that are required to sell them. It was a huge, huge wake-up call to me to see what really, really goes on. So how does this play out for you? What you want is an objective, independent advisor. An advisor that's free to recommend whatever investments, whatever insurance products they think is in your best interest, not ones that are limited to a particular company. So if you're dealing with an insurance agent, you might ask if they're insurance, are, uh, are they insurance agent, are they captive? That's kind of code, but we can pretty much only sell, you know, what our company manufactures, maybe a few other things, but mostly our own company's products. 
or, or are they independent? You definitely want an independent one. And ask them what kind of due diligence they do on the products that they're recommending for you. Which takes me down to the next question. How are you paid? Now, once again, like car dealerships, you know how car dealerships can get this bad reputation for being pushy salespeople. They're totally on commissions or they're largely on commissions. Many advisors are also on commissions, particularly when they're working in this captive environment. Because if they're just commission-based, they want to get that commission and move on. Now, I personally believe that when you've got a high level of ethics, you're acting in a fiduciary duty, you're going to do exactly the opposite. You're going to recommend what's in the best interest of clients. Uh, you're not going to be swayed by commissions and bonuses and those kinds of things. And you'll always be doing something that's in the client's best interest. Now, next question to ask, what kind of services do you provide? I have found, as you probably know if you've been listening, that doctor's situation is incredibly complex. And we work with over 500 doctors from Hawaii to Cape Cod. We even have one doctor in New Zealand today. And the situation is so complex. I think it's important for you to be looking at an advisor that does comprehensive financial planning, number one. They also do tax efficient investing. And number three, they use an evidence-based approach. And on top of all of this, for most of our clients, they need to be very skilled in doing student debt plans. In other words, what you want is an advisor that's going to pull everything together in your financial life, simplify it, and make sure that you're on the right path towards your goals. Now, I will find that there are a lot of advisors out there that just focus on maybe one or two things. There's a couple of firms that just do life and DI just for doctors. They don't do investments. They don't do any of the concierge work, the retirement planning, college planning, et cetera. And that can make it hard for a doctor because then you are put in the position of having to coordinate all your different experts, all your different consultants, and they may be giving you conflicting advice. I think it's better to have everything pulled together under one roof. We call this a concierge service. And uh, I was just looking at our checklist today that we go over with clients. There's at least 10 different areas that we review with every single client to make sure that they're all coordinated and moving ahead. All right, next question. What is their investment philosophy? Now, if you've listened to some of our previous podcasts, you know that there's three main types of investment philosophy. And one is this traditional approach. In the industry, we call it active management. It's really stock picking, market timing. That was, I think of it as old fashioned because it's been around the longest, obviously. Uh, number two, which came out in the late 60s, early 70s is index investing, which is using mutual funds that mirror an index. And the final is a, an approach that we think is best is the evidence-based investing. And that uses Nobel Prize winning strategies to increase the returns of the portfolio. Now, active or stock picking is really attractive to some doctors. Who doesn't like something that can go into the doctor's lounge and go, guess what? I just made a killing on Tesla or Bitcoins or whatever it is. But unfortunately, because we follow the evidence, the studies show that it doesn't work in the long Run. Yes, in any particular year, stock picking may outperform evidence-based, but not over the long haul. I do like index investing better, and we do sometimes use index funds. Um, they're a lot cheaper than doing an active portfolio management. 
However, you're going to be getting uh, average returns over time. We are true, true believers in evidence-based investing. And I think I did a podcast on this a time back. And when you think about it, it's how doctors have been practicing medicine for decades. You follow the science and that's what we do with financial science. So if you may have a, a financial advisor that's talking, they've got some secret sauce on how they pick their stocks, or maybe they're creating some special alternative investments, I would run those things. Like I said, you can get lucky every now and again, but in general, they are not going to keep up with doing an evidence-based approach. And it's far, far riskier. I've seen a lot of doctors lose a lot of money, maybe even all of their investments when they're doing that kind of approach. Be careful. All right, next question. Are you a solitary advisor or do you have a team behind you? Now, some of the background, your finances are so complicated. I think it takes an entire team to bring you up to speed on all the areas that you need. Let's talk about some of them. There's investing. You're going to need somebody who's a specialist in investing, somebody who's a specialist in, in types of insurance, life and DI for sure, maybe even property casualty, somebody who knows about taxes because you're in a high tax bracket today and you're going to be in a high tax bracket when you retire, somebody who's also experienced with estate planning, reviewing your contracts, debt plans. A lot of our clients have got huge debts for medical school, need to review your benefits at work. And of course, we want to be able to do college planning, retirement planning, and other goal planning, not to mention cash flow. So you can see those are just some of the areas that we, that we work with. And I think it's best to have all of those coordinated with a single advisor kind of heading up that team so it all flows together nice and neat, and it saves you time and money. That's what you want with your financial advisor. Now, I do have some people who will see all this white hair and they go, Catherine, when are you retiring? Personally, I'm not planning to retire, but that is something you should be asking your advisor. What happens, something happens to you, what happens to our, my money? Um, in my situation, as I said, I have a great team as a, that's a backup. And I also have a de facto partner who's in place to take care of things um, in case I'm run over by the bus. All right, next question. Where do you get your new clients? This is very, very important question because it's going to tell you a little insight about the firm. If they're doing direct mailings, uh, internet searches, ads, those kind of situations, they're all indicators that they may have a great marketing department, but they may not have happy, satisfied doctors. All right, next question. How many doctors do you serve? You know, if they're telling you they work with six doctors or seven or eight or whatever, maybe even 20, I'm like, uh, do they really have that expertise that you need? I will tell you when we work with over 500 doctors, there's very few things that we haven't seen before. Uh, so you want a firm that's very experienced. So make sure your new firm is working with hundreds of doctors and that they've been at it for a while so that they've seen everything. Next question. Have you ever been sued by a client or have you ever been fined by regulators? I can think of one firm specializes in working with doctors. They didn't take their fiduciary duty very seriously and they were recently hit with a class action lawsuit from their doctors for selling inappropriate, unsuitable investments. And I was very familiar with those investments. I was very familiar with the firm. And I knew that they were recommending things that were in the advisor's best interest, not the doctor's best interest. 
So you can find out a little bit more about your own financial advisor by going to the FINRA website and looking them up. Make sure you check out your advisor. All right. So in conclusion, when you get your answers to these questions, you're going to start getting a feel for whether or not this is the right advisor for you. And you can always feel free to ask them for references and then call them up and talk to those doctors about their experiences. So I personally believe that you want a financial partner, somebody who's both a coach and a consultant, not a salesperson, somebody who shares your values and is really in it for the long haul. You know, I will often tell clients, if we don't get invited to weddings and bar mitzvahs and baptisms and graduations, I don't feel like we're really doing our job because I really want to become part of these clients. Families is a very trusted friend and a consultant. I don't see myself as a salesperson. I see myself as the ultimate problem solver. And my job is just to help you get to financial independence as quickly and as safely as you possibly can get there. Now, if you'd like to ask us any questions about what we've gone over today, or if you'd like some more details, feel free to reach out. As you know, our email address is info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. So in closing, once again, follow us on social media. As I mentioned before, that really helps improve our ratings so that we get in the hands of more doctors who need this information. And if you found this helpful, I hope you forward it on to some of your colleagues. In the meantime, please send us questions and topics for future issues of our podcast. I love to do that because you know I have a passion for helping doctors and make sure that their financial life is a lot brighter. Finally, you can reach out to us directly for a second opinion on your financial health by emailing us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. Please take care of yourself and prosper.